healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. Welcome back to the Basin Film Music Lovers. You are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Tokyo Lessons Podcast. I'm Kevin as usual. And uh, we are almost at the end. Episode 399. I'm going to cut it short at 400. Um, because we're leaving town. Talk about that more on episode 400 but this episode um somehow there if you had to ask me uh there are three bands that sort of have uh, have defined me one of them being rem that was my first music love uh then the grateful dead which kind of surprised people this year when they found out about that and uh and steely dan and steely dan has been a a force of good in my life and it, it you know, you find somebody who likes Steely Dan, all of a sudden you're speaking a whole different language. A whole completely... Um, it is the epitome of music nerdism, uh, but also the pinnacle of uh, sophistication in music there. Um, were, now, as Walter Becker has passed, remarkable musicians, the maybe the most remarkable musicians to my mind, uh, to ever put a note to wax. And um, somehow, in 400 episodes, we did not talk about them. I don't know how it happened. I know when I met Eduardo a couple years ago, um, that's when I knew that he was going to be as great at all this as he is, and um, and I and I promised him for a couple years now that we'd do it. And uh, since we're ending, uh, we could not turn off the lights without getting it done. Um, so I invited Ed over, invited our good friend Casey Ray, uh, which they met for the first time, which is wild, considering they make a podcast together now. And um, drank some Bloody Marys and talked about Steely Dan and generally just nerded out. Um, these these past few have been some of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Uh, this is this is no exception, and uh, I will I will miss things like this when we are gone. I miss these people specifically, but uh, you know, time marches on, all that, and uh, now it is here in the can uh, forever, or as long as we have the internet. Yes. At, at any rate, uh, we're talking about Steely Dan today, kids. All of it. Taking you in through Asia and then just going out through the Steely Daniverse. Uh, so this is for super fans of Steely Dan. If you've never really gotten hip to him, maybe we'll get you hip to him. Uh, or if you just want to hear uh, Casey Ray uh, being the funny motherfucker that he is. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and that's what we're doing. So if you guys are ready, we're going to head on down to the basement one last time and uh, talk to my friends uh, about music because we love it the most. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, this is this is uh, unexpected because I um, and and we're just rolling into this. I, I did not realize for whatever reason that you guys had not met. 
Eduardo yeah, and Casey down here for one of the last podcasts. This is this is dead to me. Does Steely Dan? <laughs> I mean, this is you know we've been talking about crossover opportunities with podcasts. Like this is it. This is this, this is, is the physical you, manifestation yeah, of physical our manifestation spiritual bond. I think on Dead to Me at one point we talked about the dead sort of being the um, mirror image of Steely Dan. You know, yeah, yeah they yeah. went uh, into the studio and kind of embraced that universe and the dead mm-hmm. you know, shunned it and went on the road, but. Um, at least in that respect. Yeah, yeah. They they were um, um for for I think a lot of similar reasons, but a lot of different reasons too. I think this is all one of our favorite bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're, we're we're doing this because I promised you, Eduardo, that we would, and we're leaving. And it kept getting pushed back, and That's it kept right. getting pushed back. Sometimes by a basement. Uh, being destroyed sometimes by a hangover. We're not letting the hangover stop us today. Yeah, the hangover is a factor, blood, but we're got, here. Got some bloody marriage, but true, to, true to the Fagan <clears throat> Becker spirit. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's appropriate for what we're going to be talking about. I just realized another area of overlap. I think Steely Dan fans and Grateful Dead fans are equally insufferable, <laughs> or, or can be. And, the, and ge- the gender balance is also pretty similar. <laughs> does, does anything re- reach the amount of uh, insufferability uh, of fish fans? Oh, I'm sure there's a Venn diagram that could uh, well, be... I mean, we're going to talk about that, because, yeah. <laughs> because look, Steely Dan is a thing that people... Uh, I think it's one of the true examples of you either love it or you hate it. I yep. think people yep. don't understand it. I think people can hear a song because it was so prevalent on AM and FM radio. Um, you, you could hear a song and be like, that's a jam, and then somebody tells you it's Steely Dan, and you want to murder him. I think you could also grow to love both bands. I, yeah. I remember when I was coming up, um, you know, even the first Steely Dan record uh, with their other singer, his name is escaping me right now, I'm like, I feel like a bad Dan fan. Let's punch that in, Kevin. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, I'm editing this, not you. But that, right. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yeah, this week's yeah. going to come out this year. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> The Chinese democracy of podcasts. <laughs> uh, we're almost there, guys. I just got to swap out Buckethead. <laughs> but for real, when I was a kid, I, I would hear Steely Dan on the radio, even back to that first record and songs like Dirty Work. And yeah, it kind of yeah. permeated, um, you know, the the musical environment uh, growing up in the late 70s and then the early 80s, because I think they were still riding high with Gaucho, even mm-hmm, though the band mm-hmm. was kind of already defunct by that point. Uh, so it was around. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't really develop a taste for it until I actually started to understand the musical components right, a little right. bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think, that, I think um, that's... I'm, I, I, I don't know if I've ever told the story, and it's not really all that exciting, but when I was a kid, I was like just a terrible high school student. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I had I'd always been in the sort of gifted and honors types sure. programs and tracks. Uh, but, you know, I would basically flunk out of everything by, you know, the second semester. Right, 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 right. Uh, <laughs> but, so, you know, we lit upon this brilliant idea that maybe I could, like, go to college early, which was both a really uh, interesting um, opportunity that didn't quite play out either in the way that I think me or my parents expected. But got me in a position to sort of consider a wider world of musical information because yeah. I went to school for jazz guitar for when jazz I was guitar, 16 yep. years old. And I was like, look, I'm four, almost 45 now. When you're 45, nobody calls you a prodigy anymore. So like, literally <laughs> this doesn't yeah. fucking matter. I'm over that. That is a fact. See, point. You, like, but Julian like I, Lage, your star will not burn as bright. But I say it just because it's relevant to me understanding the complexities of, of Steely Dan's music, <clears throat> particularly the types of complexities on Asia. And once I kind of understood what was going on harmonically, I was able to kind of um, appreciate the band. But at the same time, I think I always liked songs like Bodhisattva and like, mm-hmm. you know, I, 
you know, so there was, I mean, the, you know, they always had jazz elements. They always had big bands. They always um, were this complex stuff. But somehow and the magic of, of Donald Fagg and Walter Becker was uh, not just lyrically, I think, but musically to, to put it in a rock context. Yeah. And I and I think on Asia is when they sort of abandoned a little bit of that. They did. They kind of embraced their inner jazz holes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, a testament to that is that there are 40 people on this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forty. I think about think about forty people on a on a Strokes record. <laughs> right. Forty people, and they're not all like playing in an orchestral uh, right, right, scenario. Right, right, right. Like Brian Wilson probably had forty people on, like on many sessions, yeah. but they were playing you know, under the Phil Spector orchestral yeah, rock yeah. model. And these guys were still actually kind of stripped down to the basic um, R and B plus supplemental right, uh, right. horns and and stuff. Their voicings. It, there is a great um, documentary which is on YouTube. Um, uh, about Asia fe- featuring Fagan and Becker talking about it. And, and a lot of the, the shots are basically them sitting in front of like um, their studio board and sort of like isolating tracks. Yeah. And, and they repeatedly sort of go, Oh wait, there's a harp on this track. Like, I don't That's remember. Right. I don't remember that. Like, do you remember why we did that? No, I think we thought it would sound cool. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People ask me what my favorite movie is. And sometimes I want to like, say like, you know, a Bergman movie or citizen Kane, but then I'm like, no, it's that um, Steely Dan making yeah. of uh, yeah. album yeah. on Asia. That's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, the, and they they um, you know there are stuff that for me it, there are a lot of their earlier hits. This was their sixth album. A lot of their earlier hits were uh, equatable to like Eagles songs to me. Yeah, and and they because because they evoked a certain vibe. Like the Eagles was something you mean cocaine. Yes, yes, <laughs> and and not knowing anything about cocaine, but being really curious. Uh, no. It, <laughs> You know, it it, it was a, a picture more so than anything else into like a different life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles were like this weird, like hip Western thing. Which look, as you get older and you realize it wasn't hip. It's fucking pathetic. It's cocaine. I love the Eagles. I, I think the too. Eagles are one of the be- uh, best bands. And the amazing thing about the Eagles is they dared to stay, uh, you know, present as a live phenomenon. And you know, unlike other bands mm. of the era like Led Zeppelin or um, Aerosmith when they came around, like your chances of seeing a good Led Zeppelin show past 73 <laughs> or a good zero. Aerosmith show past 77 are like, you know, pretty low. Whereas you could go see the Eagles and like as f- these guys did as many drugs as Led Zeppelin did, but they were like flawless. Steely Dan didn't actually ever, um, you know, play live during like their yeah. prime. So, right, right. you know, we kind of had to, you know, take these studio statements um, as their example. And what an incredible example. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, and, and I feel like even if that wasn't endemic to the late 70s and bands like this, like everybody wasn't doing it, but it, it made it feel like everybody was doing it and it made it feel like this was the way to go. Um, and the results were, I, I want to get to a track now. Um, this kicks off the album. This is sort of what I'm talking about. They've been described as a filmic band. I have no idea what Black Cow is. I've even looked it up. It's a drink. Who cares? There, there's something going on here that when this hits your brain, um, it, it recalls like just a, a weird, dark disco on the West Coast, mm-hmm. not yeah, on the well, East Coast. They're a, they're a bi-coastal band they're you bi-coastal, know, because they, are, they yeah. came out of but, the... The sort of um, songwriting factory, East Coast, and, you know, got their the sort of bar yeah, college, yeah, uh, their right. kind of chops in that yeah. s- situation. And, you know, then they, they wanted to sort of relax to the max as uh, yeah. West Coast <laughs> yep. Lausch players. And if you're going to do it, this is the that's soundtrack. That's the way to do it. Down to Green Street, there you go, looking so outrageous, and they tell you 
One thing, and we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, two against nature, right? <laughs> um, one, one thing that I, I left out in the description of that is fucking roller skates. Like strap them yeah. on, backward yeah. skate, yeah. down, like skate a little lower. So, now. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it is it is so evocative of of a life that I want to live and that I couldn't when I first heard. This. Donald Fagan's a little bit of a creeper, isn't he? He is. He is yeah. yeah, he is. So, so that that song, uh, you know, I I I came to Steely Dan pretty late in life because I just not not growing up in the states, like you didn't get exposed to like a lot of classic rock unless it was in movies or something. Huh. And so um, I remember. And then it's like Danger Zone, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's 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 sort of what I knew. Um, so uh, we. Um, uh, I remember being at a Walmart in Ohio at like three in the morning. And two friends of mine started singing Black Cow. And I had never heard the song. I didn't know anything about it. But the lyric, I was just so, like, immediately interested to know, like, right. the music behind those lyrics. Now, I don't know the quality of your singing. friend's voices, but does the song lend itself to acapella? <laughs> at, at three in the morning in a Walmart in Ohio, it does. I'll, I'll, take, the, I'll take the bass line. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, um, it just has this like shimmering like magic quality to it and like you said there's always with Fagan's lyrics uh or just Fagan in general there's always a CD underside and I, and you feel a little guilty I mean look the band's named after a dildo well it's, right? it's voyeuristic I yeah. think there's like a voyeurism in it uh yeah they are named after the Yokohama 3 yep uh from the book Naked Lunch which yep. m- which means that Steely Dan uh actually are mentioned I think a few times they're not like a, a a major like hook in my book about musicians yeah, yeah. and Burroughs. Um, yeah, William S. Burroughs and the Cult of Rock and Roll. That's right, kids. Out comes spring. out June twenty nineteen. Yeah, you can pre order it now. That's called dynamic ad insertion. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that was really dynamic. I felt that that was quite dynamic. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you get this sort of um, this window in to a, a world that you know is incredibly well realized in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But still, kind of vague enough to be compelling. Um, yeah. Well. Th- well. Well. And there's also, you know, we were we were hinting at this earlier. There's a sort of very clear to me bright line demarcation between people who like Steely Dan and people who don't. And 
Sometimes it slices across gender lines. Sometimes it's uh, it's age based. I remember a friend of mine who went to college late in life uh, basically saying that when his house was full of like younger kids, the way to get rid of them was to put on Steely Dan. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, nothing, nothing gets rid of 20 year olds, like a whole shit ton of Steely Dan. I would say that a literary interest is a common uh, sort of area with Steely Dan fans. Um, I think it helps to appreciate the way that Donald Fagan writes. And I, I sort of see it as like this you know, uber lausch hipster Raymond Carver kind of situation. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. Or, I mean, you have to be okay with the skeeviness, right? Or a yeah, band that's going right. to sing about like Cuervo and Coke for two and a half yeah. minutes. Cuervo, Coke, and <laughs> like, not just a couple uh, of times. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, um, the literary thing was actually what got me into it because I was getting into Burroughs because I was like, obviously the beats right. and everything. And it, it, it was a sonic fit. Like it was just like oh it's weird I, that I, it I, is. yeah if, if it I doesn't wanna, make sense that it is well I think it does kind of make sense because you know wh- Burroughs actually said it sounded insectoid so I think maybe he yeah, there you he, go. he hit on it <laughs> if if I mean if you think about like what we find and what we consider literary it's it's about complexity it's about nuance it's about all these things you get that just in jazz period yeah to be able to take that and and it's been termed jazz rock I don't even know I think Steely Dan is their own genre um, to expand that into a space where people will actually enjoy it eventually. You, it's it's sort of like the old joke, like eventually you get old and become a Republican, which is not true, but, <laughs> right. but I think eventually you get old and you like Steely Dan because... Or the dead. Or the, or the dead. Yeah. Or the yeah. dead. Same thing. Because there's you can there's a surface appreciation and then all of a sudden you see all the work This is that's what going I want to do as a project for the back end of my life. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. You, you know, becoming a dead end. I'm glad I, I saved that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, with Steely Dan, I think there's always just so much shit you can explore. And I think I was listening to um, uh, Your Gold Teeth and the line, mm. uh, even Kathy Barbarian knows there's one roulade she can't sing. <laughs> and that just makes you have to know what the fuck he's yeah, talking it does. about. Yeah. It, it, it requires and homework. Right? I've known for a long time, guys. It's cool. I know what that line is all about. I've decoded it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's and and I'm not going to reveal the mystery here because I don't want to spoil it for you. Have fun. But that's what we all. That's what, that's what we all and, want in music. And right? look up Haitian divorce while you're at it. Right. Yeah, look up Haitian. <laughs> that's what we all want in music, right? That's why we listen to it. We, yeah, we're nerds. Yeah, this yeah. is a and, nerd and band. It is an absolute is. nerd band. Yeah. It is. Um, but look, nerds like cocaine. They like Cuervo. They they like. I mean. I almost said underage <laughs> girls. <laughs> but they like, sure, they like the again, getting with your cousin Dupree too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, everyone's going to the movies. Yep, like that's the worst, um, pervious, skeeziest one of all. Absolutely, yeah. but yeah. but it's so once you hear that it's song, like Woody Allen territory. Yeah, once you hear that song, and once it's in your brain, though, mm-hmm. it, it becomes your favorite song because it's a does little, it really? It does. <laughs> it does that. Um, that and Katie lied. Or like my two favorite oh, steel dance songs, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and and they're they're both like uh, different <laughs> ends of the spectrum, but they're they're both just very like odd tales of of debauchery that you uh, you're not supposed to enjoy, wrapped in like this nice jazz shell that you can be like, oh well. And, and I don't know if what's that line in Boston Rag where his friend literally like hoovers up all what's left in the playroom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like wow. Well, there's, you know, the, 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 um, when they, when they reissued these on, on, uh, in the late nineties, um, they came with some added liner notes that were basically just very stream of consciousness stories about how comedy routines. Yeah. Right. Just sort of like, yeah, we finished this album. We got on, we got on, you know, we went to the airport together and just bought tickets blind drunk, not knowing where we, where we were going to land. 
And four weeks later, we reconnected coming out of a haze of like a Mexican hotel and 20 women. And, um, and it's just, Thompson. That's fear and loving Las yeah, Vegas. It's I very, mean, it's very deliberately celebratory of like a kind of, uh, <laughs> skeevy old school debauchery that just, is. It's 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 fun to be adjacent to and to peek into, even if uh, but it's, it, and it it's fun. And the track we're going to play is sort of aligned with that. Like this, this as the kids say, is a bop. Like Peg, <laughs> Peg is is like the you can just he played in a disco. It's just what it was meant for. And again, it's this wild trick that you get people in with what they want, and then you just feed something else into their head. It gets in there subliminally. And then they're just. It's hard to like sort of combine like progressive rock and and um, dance music. Yeah, Yeah. but 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 it's also like been used in how many hip hop tracks over the last decade? Yeah, it does have the true the true bounce. Black Cow has the bounce too, and that's been sampled a ton. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but this is this is a little bit of peg. this great um fagan quote and i think it was like a behind the music um where he talked about um when punk rock became a thing and bands were talking about being able to you know record an album in like five days for five hundred dollars or whatever and he was sort of like you're you're proud of that i mean it takes me like four months just to figure out my studio chair (laughs) and uh, and we canned the product project because like several times because we didn't like the chinese restaurant uh, in this neighborhood. Right. right. So, so essentially that's the kind of sound and the kind of arrangement you can get when you spend that much time in the studio. Right. And when yeah. you sort of cycle through endless possibilities of what a song can There's be. There's the other, uh, sort of thing that came from one of the session players where, you know, he would show up and play these pretty grueling sessions and they would do a song, you know, one song, uh, and run through the arrangement like hundreds of times. And, you know, he'd get the call back and he'd go back into the studio and there would be a different band uh, playing the same yeah. song. Yeah. They know, were, just, and, and, and we're just I, going for a different feel here. We're going to swap out do you, everybody. Do you consider that a sign of genius or a sign of just like the, the effects of the drugs? Oh, I don't really think that the, the, the drugs really play that much of a role in, in you know, shaping yeah, Steely Dan's yeah, anything. I don't necessarily either. I mean, I think cocaine as a sort of enhancer, a performance enhancer is probably you know, always on the table mm-hmm. in a studio environment in the seventies. Um, 
Becker became a heroin addict probably around this time yeah. and stayed one uh, for quite a while. And the band kind of broke up. And I think maybe it, that might have had something to do with them choosing not to go forward. But you never know and will never know because they're not talkers. Actually, they yeah. are talkers. They're like, you know, stand up comedians. They're great writers and they're yeah. great riffers in mm -hmm. general and verbally as well. But, you know, there's a lot of mystery about sort of what the driving force was behind Steely Dan. Yeah, and yeah. they've they very artfully sort of left that um, vague. Yeah, they're not they're not candid at all. These they're are not these are not in every yeah. other way. They're explicit right, right. musically, <laughs> right, right. harmonically, uh, lyrically. Um, well, lyrically, yes and no. I mean, and and when they precision, I think you know, and it, it's funny because when they um, eventually they did come around to playing shows again. They've been uh, before Walter Becker's death. Uh, they 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 were doing tours and touring this album specifically. This was actually. Uh, I'd never seen them because they didn't tour. Mm -hmm. um, I bought tickets before my heart surgery. Yeah. I survived. And three weeks after my heart surgery, my friend took me to Constitution Hall to see them. And my entire family, except for Daria, was like, you're crazy. You can't, you can't do that. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. Sit down and watch these guys. And, and you, you don't get any more insight, but it feels more inviting when you hear um, both of them talk about it's like a blues review. You know, and, yeah, and they start talking about their influences too, yeah. yeah, and not really tell, and that's not telling you anything. Like if you like them, you like music, um, but if they're like, yeah, you know, this is like lead. It's similar to what you'll get out of Dylan if and when he yeah. wants to yeah, be, uh, nice. reveal anything at all and not be entirely cryptic. Um, you know, I saw Steely Dan like a few times in you know when they became a live act mm -hmm. again. And I didn't love it any of those times. I honestly didn't. Love I didn't it love it, but well, I mean, I, I did. I take it back. But for, they were great for, for reasons that aren't Steely Dan. Is why. I, yeah. yeah. Well, that's true too. I mean, the audience is kind of like it was like that um, that well-heeled boomer crowd just yeah. you know, trying to remember the college experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless them. And and what was funny too is that is that they really didn't, especially Becker, give up any of the skeeviness. Like at that point they're old, and, and but it was clear, you know, he's singing, you know, the Cuervo Gold. He looks like, like Grandpa Munster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little, yeah. he's got a little yeah. like. Well, they well they would play these like almost month long residences at the Beacon Theater in mm -hmm. New York, right? And yeah. they would sort of play like a different theme every night. Yeah. And I, I remember a friend of mine saw them, and and uh, the night before they had played maybe like you know all of Countdown to Ecstasy or something and the yeah, night that's he, probably my favorite Steely Dan record that and the Royal Scan yeah um and then the night he saw them they were playing not not their it wasn't like their greatest hits show it was their most requested songs over the years yeah. so it was like the songs that people would randomly shout out the most often at shows which is just sort of a very I mean so that's obviously their most popular songs yeah. right they're just not right. calling it that this is the greatest just, hit set list <laughs> right but we're calling it something you know, we're, we're we're contriving to refer to it very differently. Um, kind of ridiculous, very Dan like. Yeah. Can, can, uh, can I can I jump back to uh, something about Burroughs and them um, that sort of just hit me? That song East St. Louis Tootaloo. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. There there, there are some very um, and this is this is uh, and I, yeah, this leads it's sort of connected to the song we're going to play. Um, there's that song is one of the few instrumentals that they do first of all mm -hmm. but it also like weirdly like inserts you into naked lunch <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of um, like when you hear it you can't you, you can't just you, you waltz can't, through interzone yeah yeah in you, the form of like you know you, you can't big, associate big band from it. done by a and, like hermetically sealed studio r&b act 
But yeah. like, but like every Life single surgically tinged. But, every, yeah. every single time I hear it, I'm like, I'm in Interzone. I'm I'm sitting yeah. here, and and I leave it on so that I can take that trip. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just I don't know many bands. Well, you know, that Burroughs can, is from St. Louis, so there's yeah. also that mm-hmm. connection. Yeah, no, that, that that's that's totally the connection. But, but you know, I I like the idea that um, well, listen, guys, us talking about Steely Dan in 2018 is almost like. You know, talking about big band in the 1970s. Yeah, when that's you think that's about right. It. Yeah, that's a, it's a scary, scary thought. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that thought should terrify you. <laughs> I mean, it all comes back around, man. It all comes back around. because of bands like this. But who is like Steely Dan in 2018? Well, so on that last Foxygen record, they kept talking about how that how how they were trying to emulate Steely Dan, yeah, where they yeah. would just be sort of oh, these listen, two creative forces that would bring of bands in that people. Are like doing this kind of stuff now, like yeah. Wolfpack. I mean, I don't I don't really <laughs> yeah, like it, <laughs> yeah. but that's right. a Steely Dan thing. And then there's that other damn band. Oh my god, that like I think they're a Wolfpack spinoff kind of band. And there's there's mm. all these like super tight, like anal retentive tight um, modern bands that are. Oh, what's the? Oh God, what the hell is their name? Snarky Puppy. They're Snarky Puppy. I, you know, I hate saying that name. I hate that name. I don't like the band really very much. At I all. would never have ever listened. I mean, I, I now, now that I think about it. Now I think about it. I've heard the name. I would never be like that's probably got my Steely Dan fix. I mean, it's like it's not as good as Steely Dan. It's more like you know, the cheesy um, kind of. Music school fusion that came out of the eighties that I mm. that like my peer group when so I fish <laughs> right <laughs> any no, chance but it went in the other direction no there was a band called the Yellow Jackets back yeah, then yeah. you know it's like that it's okay. more I mean I think in their minds they're hitting Steely Dan right. Dan levels of like you know awesomeness seven hundred <laughs> tracks on the snare drum <laughs> listen they are phenomenal musicians it's kind of like it's actually depressing but. Um, Oh, well, They're not uh, we're going to have to check it out, but uh, they right, want to be right now I want to check out something that, you know, to that transformative point, point or transportational point. Um, I probably have heard this song over a thousand times. This will be a thousand and something. I don't know what the fuck it's about. I don't care nope. what the fuck it's about. Angular banjos, dude. It's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's the title track from the album. And it is, uh, uh, for my money, one of the like better, uh, artistic achievements of the 20th century. I mean, it's just remarkable. This is it's tour de force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up on the hill They've got time to burn There's no return
I cannot. Um, first of all, that, that is uh, every time I hear it's astounding. I cannot. Um, we were saying off mic as a musician. Um, you know, I, I my bass was like playing classical music. That's what I came up on. So I understand mm-hmm. all this. I enjoy all this. It breaks my brain to have it in in a popular format. To have that guy on guitar just doing that. Bum, bum, yep. Bum, and and have and. As a guitar player, being told like, "No, this is all you're gonna do for the entire day. You're gonna do it till we get it right, and that's and then we'll we'll take care of the rest." Yeah, uh, and yeah. and the result of that level of precision, that level of foresight. A lot of good jazz skitters though, Larry. They let Larry Carlton off the leash a few a times bit, on that yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's mostly just doing like you know. So the 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 chordal stuff, the harmonic stuff, is really unusual and complex. But he's doing like he's arpeggiating those co- those chords and then kind of like running licks around yeah, yeah. those voicings mm-hmm. as the chords change, which is like not something you find in rock ever. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Again, sneaking sneaking the class, like classing up the joint. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you came Rock the, solos uh, over changes. It doesn't do, like, it doesn't follow harmonically the mm-mm. the chords. I mean, that's like, this is like Coltrane Stravinsky <laughs> I saw a Christian McBride-led quartet at Blues Alley in like 1999. Covered, I was hoping you were going to say a Christian rock version of Stealing Dan. <laughs> I did not. Although <laughs> although my Lyft driver was playing uh, a Jesus song by the Commodores, but that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I saw. I saw. Um, it was fucking. It was Christian McBride, Josh Redman. I think Brian Blade was on drums, and I forget who was on guitar. But they basically, as a quartet like managed to like squeeze asia into like a jazz set which was fucking amazing right i, I bet it was um, great yeah it was yeah. it was fantastic it was fantastic how do you think like real jazz players view this stuff i think they can uh i think they can hang i mean the folks that would pop in for like asia sessions and gaucho sessions and stuff like the the heavy hitters like they probably didn't really completely you know it's a paycheck it's a good you know, it's a good gig. They'll show yeah, up yeah, and play. Yeah. It's like Sonny Rollins on Waiting on a Friend. He makes that song by mm-hmm. the Stones. The best, best, uh, you know, performance by a non-Stone on a Stones record. Maybe the best performance by any musician on a Stones record. But the Stones were never being called jazz rock. And, and, <laughs> no, they and, that's, yeah. and that's sort of right. what I'm wondering. It's but I like, mean, I think these guys were in circulation at the time and knew that, that you know, this was how you you uh, make rent. Yeah. Um, so Wayne Shorter, I think... In that uh, movie that we referenced, that little documentary on Asia, I think um, they talk about this a little bit. And, you know, the jazz players might have sort of felt like they were slumming it. But Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody in Steely Dan, I don't think anyone doubted that these guys could write a chart, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My my sense is that they probably had a lot of respect musically for the guys. um, Right. And... uh, and I think, if anything, you know, Fagan and Becker probably craved a little bit of their approval because they want to think of themselves Absolutely as like sure of it. as yeah. jazz dudes. Yeah. There's 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 a weird thing here too. That's like there's this sort of like um, almost like old timey quasi racist uh, thing that happens with Steely Dan sometimes. Like you get the feeling they use like Oriental to describe people, right? Right. Or right. like it's like it's like racist in that Tintin kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and and they're just sort of like, well, just add some, you know, like bring in some Asian flair for this song, and we're going to call it Asia, yeah. but we're going to spell it differently, and then we're going to put this weird lady on the cover. I and think so, the, the, the Orientalism know. was somehow more like socially tolerated and almost like had the patina of hipness. In the late seventies, it, it's, oh, it's like sure. it's like in an Emmanuel movie kind of way, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. Real, real like Vaseline on the lens. It's going to take four hundred episodes to get an Emmanuel reference in here. 
Well, you you lay out. The are bears. we talking about at, at Hollywood or after dark? What, what, are, what are we talking about here? I, I, I don't I don't I don't know the entire Emmanuel filmography as well. The, the Emmanuel verse, as Innocence well as Lost. How about that? It's oh, definitely it's definitely bearskin rug and cozy fire <laughs> music. Well, that's a good transition to the, like trying to because like I think <laughs> I think Steely Dan like uh, I think. It's not my favorite, but I think it is their best album. It's where everything, like, really what they wanted to do came together. Yeah, it's a showcase for, yeah, for there, there the was, best things about There was about no Steely fat. Dan. There was no, yeah. It was just like, boom. But it's not... One of the reasons we're doing this is because I want people to listen to more Steely Dan. I, I, I want people to, like, just stop being snobs about this stuff and be like, maybe it's, it's good. There's a lot of fun to be had. There is... Um, so we're going to venture off into some of the other albums. In 1976... The year before this, they put out the Royal Scam. If you are a fan of of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. you should like Steely Dan. Yes, and it is, and it is because of this song, which is, as you were saying, Casey, a dead to me crossover, dead to me crossover, <laughs> because it's about Owsley. But yeah. I mean, it, this is this is uh, this is a rollicking good time yeah. through through drug fueled uh, debauchery that is worthy of Walter White, and I would guarantee you. When they, they were writing the show, that this was on in the writer's room at some point. I bet it was. Agreed. This yeah. is yeah. Kid Charlemagne. Now your patrons have all left you in the red. Your low rent friends are dead. This life can be very strange. All those Dago freaks who used to paint the face, they join the human race. Some things will never change. Guys, did it really? Eighty-two in nineteen seventy-six. That 
that was a single on the radio. Okay, so <laughs> other than the, like reinforcing this sort of um, the Dead to Me crossover with um, Owsley Bear Stanley, the guy who was the Grateful Dead's chemist and yeah. you, know, you know cooked up the acid that turned on the entirety of the Bay Area, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and kind of created you know so much of our 20th century and 21st century culture coming out of that. It's like almost as important as like the atomic bomb tests. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Los yeah. Alamos. But, you know, Bear also was like, you, you know, he was the uh, original Grateful Dead sound uh, designer as well, mm-hmm. you know. And this guy is like a polymath. He's also like a ballerina. He's a, and he's the son of a, of mm-hmm. like some Southern uh, grandson of some, you know, Southern Senator. And I think his dad was a judge or something, but I got to yeah. check into that. So yep, he's got right. this like really strange, like he's pedigreed in a weird pedigreed way, pedigreed in this strange yeah. way, like kind of carved into the rock of, you know, the, the rock of like 20th century America somehow. And, um, but anyway, this song has all of these sort of imagistic things. Like the one line that I love, every a frame has your number on the wall. Right. And, yeah. You know, that was just the type of housing dwelling that all the hippies were living in. The ones yep. that would break off into their, sort of new, um, more nuclear family kind of like situations. And, after. And, and you can dismiss that line or you can investigate <clears> it. And then, and that's what I'm talking about always with this band. It all of a sudden puts me in California, it, yeah, in, in the hills. Right there. It's, that's exactly you're, you're, where. you're right outside that. The uh-huh. dust is going by. That's right. You're waiting to score. And like, and, and I don't know any band that does that that well. And, you know, it gets the sort of harrowed, uh, and harrowing sort of aspect of, the, of, you know, the, the cops being on your trail. You Is know? there gas in yeah. the car? It, yes, there's gas, <laughs> there gas in the car. In the car. And, and the line, <laughs> the last time you were in Vegas, you were obsolete. Look at all the white men on the street. And <laughs> yeah. you're not re- referring to like, you know, white as in skin color, like no. referring to cocaine dealers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like they don't want your LSD anymore. Right. Dude. Which is, and that's to the literary yeah. point. Like, yeah. you know, it, it is a slang. It is a lingo like Burroughs used, yeah. you know, that really gets into that. And the beat pose is just, it, it, it's this whole like hip universe. It's this yeah. hip, dangerous sort of edgy slice of life universe. It's seedy. Um, you know, th- this band probably has like no band has less to do with Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground than Steely Dan, uh, <laughs> except for the fact that you know Burroughs is shot through both of them, and that uh, slice of life kind of seediness is represented in the lyrics of you know each act. Well, there's there's yeah. some humor with with Steely Dan that you don't you Arch, know like archness. like it's yeah there's 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 a sense of like you know they're not singing about these low lives in a way that's that's meant to like dignify them they're not trying to make them respectable they're they're in fact saying no these guys fucking suck a lot of these people are terrible yeah, yeah. right yeah. like 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 Deacon Blues is actually kind of a hilarious song from the standpoint of just saying like well Alabama's always winning and they get this cool name like. And here I am, this fucking loser, right? Like <laughs> right. My, my best, my best hope in life is to basically get hammered every night and and play the sax, <laughs> right? And yeah. that's, that's the ceiling for me. Same, same, same vein of, of Born in the USA and any song. Are off they poking that. A, a fun at themselves there too for being sort of uh, you know rubbernecking um, waspy dudes who are able to sure. like yeah. oh sure you know, infiltrate sure. this jazz universe you know absolutely they're taking the piss out of their own sort of um, musical motivations there in this way that just like screams pathos the 1970s in cinema had like you know this beautiful loser archetype right i think right. that um, springsteen also conjured mm-hmm. the beautiful loser a lot uh and steely dan certainly did on deacon blues going back to um kid Charlemagne for a second you mentioned that it was like this 
you know, top, what was it, top 10 song? Yeah, 86. It, yeah, it, it didn't chart high. It was, it was 86. It top 100. Yeah, top, top 100. Top 100 song. Yeah. But some songs, like, I think about, like, wow, that song has a lot of syncopation. You know, there's a lot of rhythmic um, mm-hmm. crosstalk happening in that song. But th- this was um, the era for that. And that era continued. Like, I think about The Police and, like, their top five, you know, songs. You know, that would crack like the top 10, top five uh, regularly, incredibly syncopated. And yeah. the lyrics like required, you know, sometimes like, you know, an Eng- English lit degree, maybe. Yeah. 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 No. Well, like, well, well, certainly, certainly they did. They <laughs> did. I mean, they had those, right? <laughs> they were they were English majors. But um, I think, um, you know, it's interesting, too. I always think back to um, the what was at the time sort of a polemic thing that um, that guy who wrote for the New Yorker, what was his name, who got in trouble? Sasha Frere Jones yeah. mm-hmm. wrote that thing, basically excoriating kind of like the 2000s indie world as in, and and I think the the shorter version of his article was like, why does nobody syncopate? Like why why can there yeah. be no syncopation in music? That's anymore? right. I think I remember uh, coming across that. You know. <laughs> he's a he's a rockist with a certain outlook but generationally like i i'm very like sort of bonded to uh sasha's um perspective and i always thought he was an interesting guy um yeah i guess you can't really do that forever without but, driving yourself no mad. but it, but 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 it is this or you know uh, catching hell from everybody for being a rockist but that but that but that kind of um the point you were making casey about syncopation you know it's it's interesting to me that like with as much electronic music as we have today tim with uh, like, timbaland and missy like really played it up you know yeah, outcast yeah. really like had a lot of heavily syncopated stuff but like with like like that now was popular that, but like mm-hmm. with laptops essentially replacing guitars as the instrument of choice for most people who are learning to play music like yeah. there's still not enough syncopation in music i know it's really you know? strange <laughs> it's like edm is not whatever it is well complexity know, but... has been has been i guess that's the the idea and it's not with steely dan maybe sometimes it feels like complexity for complexity's sake and that could be something that uh casual music listeners or even people who really love music just can't identify with yeah, yeah. uh and that's fine but it does seem like generally that steely dan were part of a renaissance of artists who had a much broader palette to work with in terms of you know you know harmony like in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that which is essentially just chord construction yeah um, and and they did a lot and, and rhythmic and, uh, and i do there there are a lot of interplay pop, pop syncopation moments yeah when i and get lyrics. i get with but, but and they introducing elements like that in like baby steps i think so so they could have a career essentially yeah, yeah. like if they had just wanted to be that's why i asked the jazz question because look there there were egos in this band and and you know you said you know they're they're sort of shouting out to these their jazz heroes and stuff but if if they're always the people on the outside where the jazz heroes are looking at them like oh these these uh you know what's funny though i think like again here's another similarity with the grateful dead and steely dan grateful dead had always called themselves a dance band even you know after they had like done like the one millionth dark star like where they're like the the molecules of the universe uh cease like to hold together um you know they would they still fundamentally thought themselves as a dance band an R&B band and Steely Dan, I think, also always fundamentally yeah. saw themselves right. as an R&B band. So they understood that, you know, um, when these jazz guys came in or when they, they did those really sophisticated harmonic bolt-ons that underneath the hood, you know, they're they're kind of guys that, you know, like to rock it in the basement like anybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They also like to do soft rock, Christopher Cross style, I they think, did. which, is, some of, which is, is one of my favorite sizes. Yeah. And it is because of the storytelling. I want to. I, I do want to. Get... There's a reason Tony Soprano has an anxiety attack listening to Dirty Work. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Which is an. It's an amazing song. The uh, one of the songs I want to play that that really hooked me into this band. 
I heard on the um, they put out a compilation as a decade of Steely Dan, and you could yeah. get from the Columbia Record Club. Ooh, like nice. a, yeah, yeah, eight and, for a penny, and and it had the hit FM on it. Yeah, which no, wasn't on, which a on an album because yeah. it's but on the soundtrack to the movie FM, the which movie was FM. a flop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on that was this weird song that led me to Katie Lied, uh, and it is again um, using it's it's the white man on the street. Yeah, it's it's immediately this hip lingo, and and you'll get it as soon as you hear it. This is bad sneakers. You fella, you tearing up the street. You wear that white tuxedo. How you gonna beat the heat? Take me for a fool, do you think that I don't see? That ditch out in the valley that they're digging just for me. Yes, I'm gone insane. You know I'm laughing at the frozen rain. I feel like a song. Honey, when they gonna send me home? Bad sneakers and the pinnacle out of my friend. Sneakers is uh, probably my favorite Steely Dan song. Yeah, it is something about it. You know, every there's this low low life celebration of life. It is. There's a, a, a recognition of your mortality. That ditch out in the valley, they're digging just for me. This guy did yeah. some bad shit. Yeah, this guy's in trouble, man. Yeah. And um, and he's gonna get whacked. But he's just like, but hey, he's man. but in the meantime, he has a transistor and a large sum of money to spend. Yeah. Well, there's this there's this great scene in um, Donnie Brasco, which is not a necessarily a great movie, but um, but there's some scene where it, t- it takes place like at a mafia bar and like everyone's sort of like working on their hustle, and some guy is like um, he has all these quarters from like parking meters that he, <laughs> hey, he trashed. <laughs> so, it's just. <laughs> Um, and that, and, and for some reason, this song kind of puts me in that place of just like, you're just sort of in this weird bar and it could be a bar from like a Tom Waits song or something. And just everyone's like hustling something. Right. And people are bringing their random shit in and, and some days you get quarters. It's, it's, it's then the whole career of the band. It's surreal, but not psychedelic. Um, whereas the dead are very much just like well, there's, there's like an co- Altman film, you know. Yeah, there's yeah, too, much, yeah, there's yeah. too much control. There's a lot of detail, for it but there's a lot of detail, but it, it allows for magical realism. Yeah, yeah. It's it, they are. Um, it's very structured. I think. I think that's that's maybe the you know they're 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 all controlling in a way. You know, whereas whereas the dead were happy to sort of surrender to happenstance and right. The um, dead don't put frames around things. Yeah, nope. right. The right. experience itself is the frame. Right. Uh, with Celia Dan, it's all about the you know the diorama. Yeah. Yeah, if, um, and and Michael McDonald, <laughs> Michael McDonald, who is is not. You want to give it a shot, man? <laughs> Casey, come on, you give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, for anybody not who doesn't know, uh, we reviewed a Michael McDonald album uh, maybe two years ago, 
where Casey did a large portion of that in yeah. full Michael McDonald. It was, it was fantastic. Couldn't help it, really. Yeah, he couldn't help it. Um, good album, but too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good album. Um, yeah, you know that is throughout this. You know, songs like "Ricky Don't Lose That That Number." Mm-hmm. Uh, songs like uh, "Dirty Work" is the same thing. I love that yeah. song, but that that's the least Steely Dan song ever because there's just some random dudes. Their singing songs that. work on multiple levels, mm-hmm. and the best example of that that I can think of right now is um, "Do It Again." Do it again. Oh, do it again. Yeah. yeah, is "Do It Again." Oh, yeah, yeah, because you know it's a song that on one level is about a guy who's down on his luck and um, tries to make up that luck. Um, through various means of cantering. <laughs> this this song this song to me you is know, he's a gambler. Um, but on another level, the song is like telling you this other story about the karmic wheel and transmigration, and you know, always having to sort of face the the point blank reality of your karma. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in a, in a sense where it's like you sign you find yourself back in Vegas you know back in Samsara with the handle in your hand you can't help yourself yeah. you know you yeah. you're grasping at, at at this for you know wandering you know confusedly through and that, eon and, after eon and that like semi detached well right and that's that, that semi detached like ironic stance mm-hmm. is like is the most quintessentially steely dan perspective right it really it's, is let, let's try, you know they do musical puns too like and that yeah. song like has a uh, an electric sitar which is really just an electric guitar with like extra buzzy frets um but it's a cool effect and but I think it's meant to sort of reinforce that Eastern vibe, you know, the, the uh, roulette and, and, wheel. And the seediness of the a little wheel. bit of, of that. And uh, I, I want to point out, too, their second single in 1972 charted at number six. Ooh. So do it again.
this shit is so much fucking me- is so meta <laughs> like about the entire thing just to get that precision um you need somebody on your ass being like do it again do it again do it again do it everything again. about this band is deadly precise yeah yeah that that is uh, like i said number six number wow. six with a bullet man uh which is surprising like that's the year of my birth and that shit was that groovy i find very hard to believe <laughs> but but um you know disco wasn't around then but that definitely is like leaning towards stuff. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know what that's emulating. It's um, uh, it's an it, it still has an R and B chassis, believe it or not. Yeah, I um, can see that. But it's uh, it's an unusual vehicle. It's 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 um, interestingly, it's to me, it's very, it's sort of very true to what Steely Dan does well in a way that Reeling in the Years is not right. I mean, it's sort of like that was sort of like for for. I don't know, like fucking Imus would play Reeling in the Years. Well, it's like, one to long into a punchline. It's like this yeah. self-referential in-joke. And I think another reason why people might not like Steely Dan is that um, you mentioned, Kevin, when you went to go see them, and I kind of um, spoofed on those uh, older boomers reliving yeah, their college yeah, yeah. years. And there's just something about like the all the law school students and med school students of like, you know, the late 1970s yeah, yeah. and mid to late 1970s having, you know, their experiences... Um, socially academically sexually pharmacologically mm-hmm. to steely dan and you know there's something kind of like precious and beautiful about that like oh that stamped your generation and you know what an interesting thing but it also sort of seems like a little bit gauche that sometimes. frames them though as something like that they would absolutely never want to be or maybe they would if they were like uh smart marketing men that that if you don't want to go all the way weird they're like that last gas station <laughs> before you get there. They're the last <laughs> stop. Right before no gas for 500 miles, and and and, and you get to that, and That's then good. and then it, it enables you to be like, "Hey, man, I'm smoking a doobie, and yeah. I'm fucking like listening to this." But they don't want to go full like they want to go. Yeah, they, they don't, don't want to go, go mutant, right? Yeah. They don't yeah. want full mutants, <laughs> exactly. But and and it gave them an out and and an air of hipness because. Yeah. Because there was an erudite. The next town over is called Beefheart. <laughs> you don't want to go there. <laughs> you can only go there in the Blood Moon. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, and it gives it. it, it people um, could use it as a badge. Sure, like we all did. Like yeah. our, our identity is like, oh, you listen to this. I mean, the reality is, it, it is precise. But if you want, like, if you really want jazz, like these guys are way back here <laughs> from the. From the good shit, yeah, yeah, and and that's but it but it but it it allows you to sort of like borrow some of that um, uh, the skeeviness, right, or the oh. sort of like unseemly uh, elements of of society, and I think that's um, uh, it's it's weird to me that Steely Dan spent as much time singing about things that are like like overtly not okay <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, it would little... be like roman polanski making a series of movies about like the shit he did right, That's or, like, right. Or, like, or woody allen making manhattan you i know guess that creepy, <laughs> that creepy clammy sort of uncomfortable like like darkness of it yeah, like yeah. like that actually does have um you know a history that connects direct to the beats and uh, you know young people in academic settings because the beats were in you know hovering around columbia University right. largely and when they started and you know Lucian Carr killed David Kammerer and right. you know he brought like the knife to Kerouac who actually buried it and got you know arrested as a, an accomplice to 
And then uh, he went over to Burroughs' house and gave him the bloody cigarettes, David Cameron's bloody cigarettes, and they flushed them down the toilet. So, you know, there was Damn. like, there was this yeah. sort of grisly aspect. But at the same time, um, if you actually look at um, Lucian Carr back then, he was just like apple-cheeked, you know, 19-year-old yeah. uh, Columbia University kid. Yeah. And, you know, but there was something seedy and subversive about that. And, you know, Steely Dan's intellectualism, and, and maybe it does appeal to the sort of um, English lit crowd, but, you know, there's a certain type of, um, you know, person who's not like necessarily a spiritual seeker, but is a seeker of like experiences and mm-hmm. ideas. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Steely Dan hint at that larger, more mysterious universe that's, you know, filled with uh, unseemly characters and very real dangers. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. you know, but at the same time, you can put on something like most people who listen to like Hey 19 and hear it just sort of hear this cool song that they can sort of bounce and sway to and play at a wedding. But really, we're talking about like, you know, sexual predation and yeah. Aretha Franklin. And, 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 and it, you know, it, it's it's illuminative in what they did throughout their entire career. You know, often, you know, you are what you consume, mm-hmm. like very literally the food, but with art. Uh, I think I actually think also literally with art and and we especially if you're more religious, um, like to spend our time on this planet walking around thinking that no we could not do the horrible thing, yeah. we could not think the yeah. horrible thing, and the only way that you find true illumination is to understand that yeah, you absolutely can, are, are, and, uh, and 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 the the test is to not do that thing. Yeah. Um, well, but, well, and which 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 Hay nineteen illustrates brilliantly with a sort of yeah. like, well, we shouldn't dance together, but but when you slide on down, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please yeah, take yeah. me along. But, but let's uh, let's hear a little bit of that because this is uh, this is off their last album proper mm-hmm. uh, in nineteen eighty, uh, and uh, it's creepy as hell. But I'm just growing old 
outrageous is like Donald Fagan's like fallback word, like sassafras, is Stephen um, uh, Tyler's fallback word. <laughs> like, what am I going to say here? Outrageous. <laughs> is sassafras really Stephen Tyler's fallback yeah, word? Yeah, he's always talking about kiss my sassafras and sassafras this, sassafras oh, shit, that. <laughs> Um, Sassy Frass with a wiffle ball bat. You've thought a lot about Aerosmith, haven't you? Um, probably more than is necessary. <laughs> Do you prefer the pump era or the <laughs> rocks? Era? You know, it's really funny. I was actually sort of thinking about like get a grip. Are you how, more of a get a grip guy? You know, Steven Tyler really had to had yeah. to want it at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I admire the guys like Drive um, and. Again, Aerosmith in the in the se- late seventies were like one of the worst live acts around, and then mm-hmm. he, he completely sort of weaponized himself as a commercial product. <laughs> in, half of those songs are country songs. You, know, you could just tell they're, they're country songs. Like, they just are. In a dark alley, who'd win in a fight there? Aerosmith or Steely Dan? Steely Dan would. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> it, would, it would be a chain fight. It would. It would. It would not be Steely Dan's first alley fight. No, my sense. no, sir, it would not. Uh, also, clearly, they've been to jail after that song. Yeah, and that guy ends up in jail. That guy ends up in jail. I, 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 I do not enjoy the mental image of Fagan Free and Becker. Abramoff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like picturing them watching the Jack Alicia Abramoff. Silverstone Aerosmith videos of the '90s and thinking, "God, I wish we had done that." <laughs> right, because right. they, they yeah. would totally have have been watching those and thinking, "You know, we should have done a video for Hey 19." With yeah, like, they would have. <laughs> Is this the same character? Why don't we have a hot daughter? <laughs> right? Is is this character the same guy that's in Ivanka? everyone's gone to the movie or cousin Dupree? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's the same he guy. Beco- he, I think he becomes the cousin Dupree guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he exists on that continuum for because sure. There's another band. Sure. There, there's another band we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast over the years. Well, actually, we did when they were good. Uh, the Hold Steady, and um, yeah, that's Craig Finn's mo. And a lot of artists they do. Yes. They populate their songs over cycles of albums and and decades with characters that keep popping up and and what's weird to me about steely dan is that's the only guy yeah, yeah there's no good guy that, no, he's basically Woody Allen the whole it's the, time. yeah it's yeah. The, it's the it's the perv who is just hanging out in the back of the studio in a chair with sunglasses yeah. you know the big like sort of yeah. half tint and and and, and the key thing about the decision making there is that he's not a guy who says once that the Cuervo and the Fine Colombian are making tonight special. He 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 does that for two and a half minutes yeah. of like a, a baby five baby it's song. cold outside. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh, like, like the bulk of that song is him talking about tequila and coke. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he got to have something to get him going, man. Yeah. Uh, so, so does it make us bad people to like that? Well, that, is it, that's is my it, point. Is no, it problematic. I, I, I think if you like that and you, you are like, if you think I want to be more like that, <laughs> yeah, if, that if, makes you, if you, that you makes treat you a it as a, person. Yeah, as a life goal, you know, I don't think it's a, that. I don't think um, Hey Nineteen is that problematic because I think actually the the character the first version there, of it, Hey Thirteen, definitely, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely was the B side. You get that in the box set, kids. But I think the character is sort of like imagines himself to be like cynical and kind of nihilistic mm-hmm. in the same way that a 23 year old, uh, you know, who had graduated college mm-hmm. feels and he's looking at this new batch of, uh, of frosh and he's like, you don't even know who Aretha Franklin is, yeah, yeah. you know, but so, and, and maybe like the Cuervo gold and the fine Colombian, it, you know, I guess, you know, whatever that means, maybe it's 
it's the real deal or maybe it's like um just a, a humble brag. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm no, not so no, humble. I, I, just, brag. I just can't take uh, the image of like someone in like a is. like a Give Brothers suit saying that. You know, <laughs> well, like, I, t- I tell you what it is. It, it is the midlife crisis. It is it, there's yeah. and there's a real pathos to this particular character because you know it, it, it like it or not is and we're all in our forties now. Uh, you know, you look back and you process the absence of your youth. And how you deal with that is either like sadness, yeah. and, or some people like just flip the fuck out and start banging a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, and, and these and that, kids they roller skate. Like, what even does that mean? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so this guy is like clearly, it, and he's not like Cuervo Gold is not top shelf, but it is to him, right? And, and it is like <laughs> and, 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 teacher, and, and more importantly, is like, <laughs> it is yeah. to somebody who's nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Sure. My favorite yeah, yeah. beer when I was like seventeen was Corona. I think we all know how bad a decision that was. Although I think the partner. technical term for this is grooming. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I think it's fucking yeah. problematic. I'm gonna. No, it is, I, no, I, I take it, back my prior. It, it <laughs> is, but not like not, definitely not in the way of everyone's gone to the movies. It's problematic in that it is like toxic masculinity, but it's it's real. Like this isn't this isn't made up, and and it's like you uh. you can't necessarily mock it, and you certainly shouldn't celebrate it, but. That they were that they put this into maybe maybe they're both like this maybe this is Becker and Fagan maybe that's yeah. a character I don't know I just think that character's not so old yet that like I I think that character is just sort of like a a towny like like cool guy you know that's sort of starting to age out of it I mean like I somebody can actually, kill me before I understand 30? what that like, looks like you know what yeah, I mean yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's a real thing and um and I think that this the, that song kind of captures the the reticence and then also just sort of pathos as you as you say of finding yourself in that situation where you know everybody should know better but only one person really ultimately can know better and that's the tragedy yeah yeah well and the and the i I guess the sort of um where it where it gets uh weirdly tinged with this ambivalence is the sense that he actually doesn't seem to like the 19 year old right like he sort of he sort of doesn't like him he's not he's not bragging about the fact that he's about to bang a 19 year old he's like he's not kid rock he's (laughs) <laughs> He's not Nugent. No, that would be A13. That would be A13. Fuck you, Nugent. <laughs> I just got to get a fuck you to Nugent. Yeah, that's actually the official stance of this podcast. Fuck, fuck Ted you, Nugent. Nugent. So, uh, no, you were saying you were though. Yeah, no, I think there's, I think, I think there is to your point, Kevin, about the pathos. Like, like it's clear that he's, he's not happy about, there's a sense of like, this is a bad thing I'm about to do and I'm about to go do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so maybe it's it's a little bit less problematic from the standpoint that they're not celebrating. But uh, love these knows things, no boundaries, but... man. Come on, man. Yeah, tell save it for, save, save it for your cousin Dupree, well, man. When he goes into private practice, and you know he marries her, and they have all these wonderful children, and one yeah. of them goes to RISD. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a wonderful thing. Yeah, in fact, yeah. without the Cuervo Gold or the Columbia. Um, yeah, and and their their career is uh, if you if you're looking for that. Their catalog is littered, yeah, with with moments like this that mm-hmm. are that are great, that are cringeworthy, that are like really just like no. But uh, sometimes it's a funny joke. Sometimes it's a joke that goes on too long. Sometimes, sometimes uh, you get the feeling there's a clown suit involved somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. And, and sometimes you wonder you want to you want to ask like like show us on on the doll where Steely Dan touched you. <laughs> <laughs> 
everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Which is which is why you should listen to Steely Dan. I mean that yeah. that ultimately is what I think art is about. Is like Steely making Dan. You, they'll touch you everywhere. They, they <laughs> making you feel, making you react, making you think about it. And you can't you can't experience this band without that. Why do people yeah. not like this music? Other than like the the quasi um, you know pedophilia, because pe- <laughs> people tell them not to like it because they say it's nerdy, and we're telling them right now you should like it. Are we? Yes, <laughs> yes. I wonder, like, what case is actually being made here? <laughs> I think we're I think we're we're landing on the pro Steely Dan side of the equation, yeah, yeah. but uh, no, they're truly one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Um, I just like have to celebrate anybody in a popular art form that manages to reveal something of their you know creative personality and with so many facets and and interesting um you know avenues to explore and then also just how arch and funny they are like I you know just yeah, really yeah. appreciate them as like as like tw- you know 20th century characters um and you know now one of them is gone yeah yeah and the other one looks like Grandpa Munster and still throws off that creepy vibe. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, well, there, you know, there's, there's like um, this kind of uncompromising cynicism about their music, and I think that's um, we were talking about what to go out on, and I, and you know, we landed, I think, on on Showbiz Kids because it is such one of those like ultimate sort of cool plays of just like fuck you, LA, Showbiz Kids you know? <laughs> making movies of themselves. You know, yep. they don't give, they a, don't fuck give a fuck about, about anyone else. else. It's yeah. it's a spiritual cousin or, or uh, super rich kids. Have mm-hmm. you ever have Quite you have either of you guys ever uh, detected the El Supremo from the room at the top of the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say it's a hat. Asking for a friend, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this song is um, beautiful and horrific in its sense. Vicious it, 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 it and brilliant. Vicious, yeah. but, yeah. but uh, real kids. Stop. 
great thing about our current stations in life is that we can't rule out becoming Steely Dan yet. Like, I know. we can totally still could become happen. a character in a yeah. Steely Dan song. Oh, yeah. a character. Uh, I thought you meant, like, a cool guy in the band that like, sits around in the studio at 3 a.m. with my sunglasses on and a massive <laughs> raging <laughs> cocaine <Barks people>. <laughs> That can only be fixed with more cocaine. Like, so mean, that's that's the elevator for, elevator pitch for why you should listen to Steely Dan. <laughs> like, do you want to be that guy? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. This is, um, I, maybe it's maybe it's just nerdy white dude shit. I, I don't know, but 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 I would like to listen. Think, I am not going to say that I am friends with a lot of black people, but I am friends with uh, like yeah. people who are not of uh, the Caucasian persuasion mm-hmm. and. Everyone that I know, because they all like music, because that's what I have in common with other people that I right, relate right, to. Right, other right, than right. that, I don't leave the house. <laughs> I, I really find that Steely Dan is, is appreciated by a lot more folks than white people. Um, you know, there's like a, a whole bunch of music that they sort of try to encompass in their thing. And, yeah. you know, but th- it does sort of seem like if you were to go to a Steely Dan concert or something like that, it would be like those, you know, um, those boomer lawyers and MDs and, you know. A lot of guys who go by the name Chuck. A lot right? of guys who like, go by the guys, name Chuck. No, Chuck uh, yeah. use, but you look the, under the use hood. Use the keep hair restoration. Yeah. <laughs> you look under the hood and you, and you find like, yeah. you know, by Asia too, like those bands are, the, the, those are amazingly beautifully multiracial bands with like, you know, multi-generational perspectives on the art of music. And Steely Dan is the sort of directors of that, like, you know, honing that and, um, and repositioning it within like a popular music marketplace is a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. And then, yeah. then other people in that marketplace like can groove to it. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people who groove to Steely Dan that aren't just like, you know, the, uh, yeah. the, the aging. And, white and that's what I want. That's, I, I want a world where people can be like that you, A, you don't classify music as like nerdy white dude shit. But like that, you. It's, it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, well, it can be, but like it's more than that. But, but it, but it is more than that, and and they are they are in many <laughs> ways, um, uh, serving as a time capsule, bringing parts of music to the culture that might not otherwise know mm-hmm. it. But you and know? it's and it's really fun to 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 see people realize like the first time they hear a kid Charlemagne, yeah, and they'll think, oh, holy shit, that's where Kanye got that, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that I mean, and Black that happens in tons of, tons of uh, yeah. songs too. Yeah, and that and that that happens a lot. I think with people who come to Steely Dan now is that um, they're gonna they're gonna realize that a lot of music that they've loved over the years was mm-hmm. actually directly influenced by it. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it'll come around that we'll have yeah the uh, snake always eats its own tail, guys. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it'll come around that it, it will someday we'll see another band like this. Um, I uh, this is one of those bands. There's a few that I can name, but it's weird that uh, we. That just isn't this. Father John Misty comes close, um, but he's, yeah, his his posture is fairly his similar. Is very yeah, similar. The, the cynical archness is yeah. present. Um, yeah. You know, but he also like there's a Randy Newman streak in that right, too. And right. There's, yeah. There's probably like that's a if you did the Venn diagram of like uh, literary uh, nihilistic uh, popular song craft. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I think you would probably the ne- find the Netflix category of Warren <laughs> Zevon. Yeah, and, right. Right. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Steely Dan and uh, Randy Newman are in there, and there's probably a handful of other folks that I'm forgetting. For sure. You yeah, can, you can yeah. write but, in and let us. But know. some kids gonna like pick up. Uh, was it uh, Decade of Steely Dan mm-hmm. or the uh, Citizen Steely Dan? That's really what turned me. It it was a box set in the eighties. Yeah, I remember that one. It was four CDs. It was every single song. Decade was pretty great too. I mean, I remember hearing Green Earrings and being like, "What is this Martian funk?" Right, right, (laughs) right. 
And, um, you know, we'll, we'll find that and find that on streaming and, you know, go down the rabbit hole if you like Kanye and you wonder where that sample yeah, is. Yeah, right. Listen to Countdown to Ecstasy. Yeah. Don't just stop with, like, Kid Charlemagne. Like, do the whole thing and, and really get into it because it's – um it is, uh, in many ways, and we haven't really addressed, and I don't think we need to, their comeback, right. their return. Uh, it's fine music, but it's 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 music made by people who aren't necessarily hungry anymore. Yeah. And so the, the chops are there, it's, but, yeah, but it, the, the cynicism isn't. And it's the same with, with some of Fagan's solo work. There's 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 some quality in there, but it's real. It's, it's uneven. Curious, yeah, it's it is, uneven, It's right? one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah, that's a that's still a it's a hard album we're, to explain. To yeah, people. we're, we're <laughs> going to talk about that eventually. But yeah. like it, you know, it, it sounds like an even more bloodless night uh, like Gaucho. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no I, that's exactly right. To like Nightfly or something. But there's but there's weird joy in that because you, like, I can't remember if Becker actually worked on that one with him. So it was an unofficial Steely Dan. There sure, was just yeah. something that. That as sterile as it was and cold, that was the point, you know. Yeah. Uh, Snowbound, Snowbound, is a good song, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it, it 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 still had that little glint that Steely Dan gives yeah. you. It's, yeah. it's always everything they say is always just a little glint in the eye. I mean, like, you know, maybe maybe this is real, maybe it's not. But uh, let's let's take a little <laughs> trip. Uh yeah. So go out and listen to Steely Dan. And, or uh, stay in and listen to Steely. Or Dan. stay in and listen to Steely Dan, which is probably you know where you could. Enjoy the Cuervo Gold and the Fine Columbia. <laughs> uh, thank you guys, or thank you, Casey, for indulging Eduardo. Also, this is the last time you're going to be down here, so thank you for <gasps> thank you for being a part of this. Wow, this is uh, yeah, and but you know, time moves on. Come to Milwaukee. It would require leaving your house. Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. <laughs> I can never um, not say that. I know. <laughs> All right, when we come back next week, it's gonna be the end. Tears, so get ready, kids. I never seen you looking so bad, my funky one. You tell me that your super fine mind has come undone. Any major dude with half a heart surely will tell you, my friend. Any minor world that breaks apart falls together again. When the demon is at your door In the morning it won't be there No more Any major dude will tell you Any major dude will tell you If you weren't a fan of Steely Dan uh, before, are you now? Are you at least ready to give him a chance? Uh, if so, hit hit me up at uh, Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com. I can make you a little playlist, a primer, um, get you more information, or just get in touch with Ed or Casey. They they know all of it. Um, we have um, there might be more more in depth Steely Dan, uh, more Steely Dan than you would ever want uh, coming in 2019, but that's. That's sort of one of those projects we got in the uh, on the back burner. Uh, you know, we're gonna do one more episode here, episode four hundred, and then um, I'm gonna sort of go away for a little while. Uh, you can hear Casey and Ed on our podcast, Dead to Me. This was a uh, project that came about of of myself and Casey's love for the dead, and 
and he wanted to do something like this, so I said, "Yeah, I'll help produce it," and um, and said, "Let's get Ed involved." And uh, it's it's remarkable and sometimes magical, and and it's it's uh, I, I love uh, hearing what those guys are doing every time there's a new episode out. So we took a little break for Christmas on that one, and then we're going to be back uh, in the new year with a whole back half of season one, and then on to the future. Got some good stuff in store with that one, uh, and that's out on the Cyrus Pod. Cast Network too, so big time, big time for those guys. Uh, if you like what you heard here, you could tell your friends, but if you didn't in four hundred episodes, uh, it might be too late because it's going down. So, uh, but in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a rating or a message there. You can also listen to us in Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, all these episodes are going to be up uh, forever or as long as. As long as the grid is operating, as long as I can keep them up. While I'm off mic, you can keep up with everything going on in live music in D.C. and uh, Milwaukee. I'm going to start shooting again. And uh, also Chicago, Alex Scheldorfer is there. But Mauricio Castro is here, and he has put together a, a remarkable team, a little army of, of, of music journalists, photographers out there. going to be covering pretty much every show in the damn city. Um, so I'm going to be leaning back into that side of things, helping him out get that up it's gonna be fun it's gonna be good and they are they are uh the best at what they do at that and that uh you know i'm kind of humbled that like the work that i did way back in like 2012 was like the him being able to do that it's it's um it's it's good is what i'm saying uh we're gonna be back tomorrow if you listen to this on saturday or sunday uh new year's eve with the final episode it's going to be myself, uh, Eduardo is going to be back, Carrie, and uh, Andre. And then we're going to sail off in outer space. That's all I'll tell you about that for now. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, be back in a day. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!